Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Wednesday evening Bible class at Laurel Church of Christ. My name is Paul Wharton, and I'm glad that you can join us this evening. We've been studying from 2 Corinthians. Unfortunately, I've been going slower than I should have, and I believe this is my last evening. But this evening, we're going to be studying from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. As we've seen over the past weeks, Paul is really putting in a lot of work in this ministry. He's trying to prepare them to do good works and support the others. And we certainly want to allow some of these lessons that we've had to reflect in our lives. But before we begin, let us pray. Almighty Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for all the great gifts that you provide for us. Father, we thank you for the salvation that we have through your Son. Father, we thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul, the dedication, the perseverance, the stick to that we need in this life, and we ask you, Father, that our lives will be examples of believers so that your kingdom will grow and our community will become strong with believers. We ask you to bless this hour of study. In the name of thy son, Jesus, we ask and pray. Amen. As we go forward with our lesson this evening, we'd like you to follow along. And as usual, we're going to have uh, some reading done. And our first section of scriptures we're going to read is from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. As we have practiced this entire time, anyone that would care to read, if you would put up your hand, we certainly will. We'll call on you. We'll have your mic opened up. And we certainly will be happy to have you participate. 2 Corinthians 11, 15. All right. Jerry Young, please. Go ahead. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Okay. 2 Corinthians uh, 11, 1 through 15, uh, New King James Version. Oh, that you would bear with me. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed, you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that you may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, mm -hmm. so your minds may be corrupted by the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. For I consider that I am not all inferior to the most eminent apostles. Even though I am untrained in speech, 
yet I am not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Do not commit sin in humbling your, myself. Did I, did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted? Because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge. I robbed other churches, taking wages from them to minister you. And when I was present with you, and indeed I was a burden to no one for what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you. And so I will keep myself. And as, as the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Archaea. Why? Because I do not love, because I do not love you. God knows. But what I do, I will also continue to do that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Thank you very much, my sister. Again, we find Paul having to not just defend himself, but to show that his ministry and his actions were not only genuine, but they were superior to anyone that had come around there. Paul tells the Corinthians that he was jealous of them, but he was jealous with a godly jealousy, not something of this world. Remember, we talked about things that are in the world and of the world last week. Paul was telling them that his jealousy wasn't in accordance with the world's traditions, but it was for God. And he goes on to remind them there that as he tried to nurture the church, to develop the Christian spirit, to expand the believers there in Corinth, he did everything that he could to make that happen. And he was developing them for Christ just as a virgin would be prepared for her husband. That's, that's quite a comparison there. So we find that Paul was, was constantly um, working and, and sacrificing for the Corinthians, but the Corinthians were still pretty worldly and at least very gullible. They were susceptible to to however the wind blew, or whatever someone would say. And quite frankly, I'm sure the Apostle Paul was pretty disappointed in that. How many times have you found yourself in a position where you've done as much as you felt needed to be done, and more, and you made personal sacrifice to help others get to a particular position? And then it was, it was minimized, it was overlooked. Something that was bright and shiny was accepted 
over the substance that you have provided. This, this is probably how Paul was feeling, that all he had done was just being marginalized by these worldly Christians in Corinth. And then Paul gets to a point to where, in, and certainly I'm putting more humanness in here than the Apostle Paul, but he's probably asking himself, now why did I do all of this? You know, I mean, I didn't make these sacrifices to be treated like this. Again, how many times do we find ourselves in positions on jobs, sometimes among relatives, that we kind of look back and we say to ourselves, what the world is going on here? You know, I really don't need to take this beating. I can do, I think there's a movie out like that. I, I can do bad by myself. So I'm sure when Paul was looking through here and, and he was getting this pushback as it was, he felt very dejected. Paul had to tell them, you know, I may not be the most eloquent speaker. And he repeats that several times. Paul may have been somewhat self-conscious about his public speaking. But he reminded them, he may not be the best speaker, but he certainly was not dumb. He had knowledge. He had knowledge of Jewish history. He had knowledge of Jewish tradition. But most of all, and the most important thing to those Corinthians, Paul had the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the experiences that he had personally with Christ were allowing him to far exceed these quote-unquote super apostles, and he felt in no way inferior to them. And in doing everything that he did, Paul even reminds them that, listen, I did everything that I could. I took receipts. I took donations from other, other churches just so that I wouldn't be a burden to you. I think sometimes that we have the opportunity to look at some of our work. And we try to see where the benefit to others is, and we try to increase that benefit. All the time, that's not acknowledged. All the time, that does not work out the way that we would like it to work. Sometimes we even get spurned, and I think that's what Paul felt. Paul tells them, you know, I loved you. Not only was I jealous in this godly jealousy, but everything that I did for you, everything that I was about was for you. And there was no doubt that I cared for you. And no one can diminish that. As Paul was trying to allow them to understand his frustration, he wanted them to really know that his heartfelt desire was for them to follow Christ. And because he was willing to sacrifice, 
he exposed himself time and time again to the wilds and to, to different dangers throughout. But Paul is reminding them too. Um, I see we have a hand up. Wayne? Open up that mic. Sorry, I must have pushed the wrong button. <laughs> I really didn't have a comment. Oh, okay. It's, it's Sorry good to hear from you. How are you, my brother? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Happy birthday. Happy late birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but now, you know, Paul was making all of these sacrifices and he wanted them to know that it was out of sincere love that he had for them that he was willing to do this. And he continued to do it. And he was willing to continue to use the resources that others had provided to strengthen and promote, make it easier for these Christians at Corinth. But he has to let them know that, you know, Sometimes we have these false apostles. We have deceitful workers. And they were deceiving those that were there in Corinth. And Paul was just letting them know that you can't understand how I feel because I see what's going on here. And, and as he puts it there in verse 14, and no wonder... For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Listen to this. It's not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Therein will be what their actions deserve. What do you, what do you think Paul was saying there? What do you think Paul actually meant there in those verses? He obviously felt some tension with the Corinthians there. What do you think Paul's conclusion was for some of those teachers? Again, on the chat line, put your comments in. Someone raise your hand. Wayne said his finger was too fat and he pressed it, pressed the wrong button. Let someone else press the right button and let's get a comment this evening. I can see everyone that's here this evening and we have a nice crowd. Do you want me to call on you? Boy, the chat line went quiet. What do you think? Well, let me ask that a different way. With Paul reminding these Corinthians of how they had been duped and deluded, what do you think they felt when they were reading this? Remember, this was a letter that Paul was sending to them, and they were reading this. What do you think they felt when it was there? Open up the mic for the Huck Tam family. Okay. Uh, they, they probably felt like a, a, probably a wave of like shame and like, and how that they couldn't keep up their end of the bargain and how that Paul kept having to remind them over and over again what they had to do and they weren't learning from their mistakes each time. Hmm. Yeah. You know, how many times when we were, we were children that our parents would tell us something 
that we had missed. We didn't understand it or perceive it. But when they told us, we were really embarrassed. We were self-conscious about what they were reminding us of. I think that's probably a little how the Corinthians felt. Paul was reminding them of the sacrifices that he had made. That's a very good comment there, Carrie. Some were criticizing Paul and in denial. Some would be, I missed the last part of that, I'm reading too slow. But what we can see is that all of the pushback, all of the angst that Paul had was about how they were receiving and allowing the love of Christ and the spirit and this gospel that Paul had placed with them, how they were allowing that to play out in their lives. And Paul told them that, you know, yeah, Satan's been masquerading as an angel of light, and his followers will be masquerading as, as those of righteousness. I think this was a very indicting thing that Paul was saying to them. And I think if they were thinking at all, they were starting to realize that Paul was really calling them to task. As we go on there, we also want to think about and we want to see how Paul really, really suffered for this ministry. And as we read through 2 Corinthians 11, verses 16 through 33, Paul seems like he recalls every action, every event, every punishment that he had to take for the cause of Christ. Some of the Corinthians may have been not fully aware of what Paul had to sacrifice, but Paul was letting them know. Very good, thank you, Jeff. Paul was telling them, don't believe every voice. Don't believe these spirits that have come before you and everything that they put before you, because it's not true. And as Paul was telling them, he's not boasting about things that he hasn't done or things that he hasn't been personally affiliated with. He's boasting about, he's telling them about his own experiences. If we can have someone turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, begin at verse 16 through 33. I would appreciate that. 2 Corinthians 11, 16 through 33. Just put your hands up and we'll open your mic. All right, Brother Sean Holt, do you have that? Yes, 11, 16 through 33, is that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is uh, coming from the NIV version. <clears throat> Thank you. Repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then receive me just as you would a fool, so that I may do little boasting. In this self-evident boasting, I am not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, 
I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or pushes himself forward or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. What, any, what anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. I also, dare to, I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in dangers from bandits, in dangers from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have, gone, and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aratus had the city of Damascus guard in order to arrest me, but I was lowered in a basket from the window, from a window in the wall, and slipped through his hands. Thank you very much, Brother Holt. As we go back and we look at those verses. The Apostle Paul suffered. And you, you think about that, and you think of the price that Paul paid for his discipleship. If you'll recall it, at his conversion from Saul to Paul, people were afraid of him. They shunned him. Even as he tried to develop his ministry, people just moved back away from him. Thanks be to God that there was a Barnabas around to vouch for him. But in this case, as Paul is talking to the Corinthians, he's letting them know that I have all the credentials and even more that these super false apostles have. I'm an Israelite. I'm a Hebrew. I'm a descendant of Abraham. I'm a servant of Christ. And even more, I've worked harder. How many times, thank you very much, Jeff, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed. Amen. 
How many times can we say that we have suffered anywhere like the Apostle Paul? I know I haven't. I haven't. But he was letting these people know that what he was doing for them, he paid a great price. He was in prison. He was hungry. I don't know if any of you have ever been on a boat and you've been out so far in the ocean that you couldn't see anything and it got cloudy. You couldn't see the sun and you got a little disoriented. But I'm imagining that if, if Paul had been out a day and a night in the sea, that he was at least cold and disoriented. All of these things he did for Christ. This was the price that Paul paid for his discipleship. And when we look back at the things that we have to suffer today, what are some of the things that we have to suffer? Let me hear from some of you. What are some of the things that Christians have to deal with today? Put up your hands or put it on the chat line. I'll try to pick up my pace in the reading of the chat line. What are some of the things that we have to suffer because we're Christians today? Environmental impact. Some countries, some are being crucified and beheaded. Absolutely they are. The gay community. I'm not sure um, all of that, but okay. But what are the things that we suffer as Christians for, and especially for each other? How many people have you come to the aid of? Mocked as ignorant extremists, vilified, rejected by some coworkers at work. Those are some of the things that we are being subjected to in this world today. We can't live peaceably among all men. They don't intend for us to. These are some of the prices that we have to pay. And certainly what Jeff Watson posted just a moment ago, that we have nothing to be ashamed of as Christians. Assumptions about us. No one, no one likes to be put in a, a great big group and say, they are, you're a part of them. Defending while we mess up and sin. Yes, yeah, sometimes. You know, that's a good point. That's a good point. The point I'm talking about is what Jeff just posted. If possible, what lieth in you, if at all possible, live peaceable among all men. How many of us are using that as an example? Estrangement from one's family. 
many people are estranged from their families because of their love for Christ. There are many people that are estranged from their families for a lot of other reasons. But certainly, if it's because of your love for Christ, that has to be a very difficult thing. The daily internal conflicts that we have on the job. Sometimes we're put in positions that we really don't know what to do. But as you look at this, I'm, I'm not sure, and I wish there were a better word that I could use rather than boasting. But Paul is just, he's just really giving them his heart. He's letting them know that he has been willing to put everything on a line He's willing to sacrifice himself. He's willing to be hungry, cold, and without for their sake. How many of us think about that sometimes? How many of us think about the sacrifice that Christ had to make in order for us to have this salvation, this freedom, this love. How many of us think about that? How many of us are willing to make a sacrifice for our family here at Laurel? The times that we're living in right now have put many, many people on the razor's edge from mental stability, financial stability, or I should say instability, all sorts of, of difficulties. And it's very important, as we have in our past lessons, to talk about being able to empathize. And providing that empathy will allow us to move into that breach and fill that breach with the love of Christ. Paul was trying to tell these Corinthians that that was, that was it. That's what he had done, and that's what he was looking for them to do. We have come from Paul telling them to be able to comfort one another. From Paul telling them, the Corinthians, to care for one another, to share with each other, to give generously, to be willing to give and to sacrifice. All of these things he was providing for them so that their lives would be complete as believers and followers in Christ. We have that same request today. We have that same obligation today. Hopefully we aren't as the Corinthians are and, and become gullible and become very insecure in what we believe.
and how we conduct ourselves. And I think if we look at all of these things that Paul sacrificed, we don't have to even come close to any of those. But we can realize the price that has to be paid. And some of the comments that you've made this evening are exactly reflective of the price that we're paying each and every day in this world. The estrangement in families, the estrangement of, of people that were long, long friends. You know, this week I had a birthday. I won't tell you how old I was, but I'm getting up there. And I have a group of guys that I enjoy. Usually we go in, in February, we go to Florida and spend some time and talk about the way things work. But, you know, I was talking to one of them the other day, and this guy I've known all my life. We started kindergarten together at Miles Standish Elementary School in Cleveland, Ohio in 1950. Did you get that? But anyway, we were kind of laughing that we have known each other long enough to be officially retired just in the length of time that we've known each other and been friends. That's a real blessing. Think about some of the people that you know in the church, whether they're here or whether they're somewhere else but you've known them all of your life. How much are you willing to sacrifice for them? Have you told them about Jesus? Are you willing to tell them about Jesus? We have an opportunity each and every day to let our light shine. Paul told these people just how much he was willing to pay because he loved them and because he wanted them to see the spirit of Jesus and to be partakers of, of the glorious body of Christ. So as we wrap up these lessons, I'm sorry we didn't get to the end. Maybe one day we'll be able to pick up these others. I'd like you to occasionally just kind of leaf back through there. Find some of those scriptures that you, you may like. And really just think about them and think about how Paul was nurturing these people, how he was wondering why they were so resistant to him. And he was constantly telling them how much he loved them. So I'd like you to think about somebody that you've known a long time, might be your wife, might be your husband. Maybe somebody that sits on the other side of the church or you remember from there, but call them up and tell them, you know, I was just thinking about you today and I wanted to talk to you. I just wanted to say hello. But we have a lot to do. The times are very difficult. People are in precarious positions. Let's strengthen them. Let's comfort them by the love that we have grown to know in Christ, by the love that we share in Christ. And if we do that, then we will be able to look and see that our lives have not been lived in vain.
and that our lives will be a testament of what we believe. I thank you very much. It has been my pleasure. I'm not exactly sure who's coming next week, but I'll be listening, and I hope you will be too. Thank you so much. I turn it over to the brothers. Good evening. Our first song this evening will be 655, There's a Fountain Free. It's from Praise for the Lord. We're going to sing the first, second, and fourth verses. There's a fountain free, tis for you and me. Let us haste, oh haste, to its brink. Tis the fount of love from the source above, and he bids us all freely drink. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? Tis for you and me, thirsty soul. Hear the welcome call, tis a fountain open for all. There's a living stream with a crystal gleam from the throne of life. Now it flows. While the waters roll, let the weary soul hear the call that forth freely goes. Will you come? To the fountain free will you come, tis for you and me, thirsty soul, hear the welcome call, tis a fountain open for all. There's a rock that's cleft and no soul is left, that may not is pure water share. Tis for you and me and its stream I see. Let us hasten joyfully there. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? Tis for you and me, thirsty soul. Hear the welcome call, tis a fountain open for all. The song after Sean's lesson will be number 825, I Love My Savior Too. For I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors, for these things concerning me have an end. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed and his disciples also followed him. When he came to a place, he said to them, pray that ye may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and he had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? 
rise and pray lest ye enter into temptation. What to do when we feel overwhelmed? Um, I thought about this topic. It was actually given to me by someone. Um, and I thought of it as a sub theme to Brother Cook's lessons, uh, theme we've been going through, things Jesus taught. Things Jesus taught. Um, Jesus taught us many things, teaches us many things through the word, through necessary inference, direct command or example. And this is an example where Jesus felt overwhelmed. Now I'm not speaking about living with a spirit of fear. We know that the Lord doesn't give us a spirit of fear according to 2 Timothy 1. Um, read the whole verse, it is, it's in there, trust me. Um, but as people, we are susceptible to mental, physical, financial, and being spiritually overwhelmed with the challenges in life. In this example of Jesus, Jesus, um, he was even quoting Old Testament scripture. He knew that things were coming to an end. He went to a place that he was accustomed to. He knew that one of his own great apostles had betrayed him. And the apostles that he took with him had fallen asleep on him. Now, when one is by themselves and depending on folks, and even some of your own family or friends that are as close as a brother have betrayed you, that just goes to show that we all can feel overwhelmed by things. I mean, even like I say, even Judas betrayed him and that just goes to show that everyone on your team ain't always on your side. But when I feel overwhelmed, I think about not only the master's example, but some of the examples of some godly men who the Lord has given me the pleasure to know in my life. Um, I think about Old Testament scripture also, just like the Lord quoted from Isaiah in that excerpts that I read from the gospel according to Luke after the last supper. I think about Job and the suffering that he went through. Job's probably suffered, Paul's, and after the Brother Wharton's lesson tonight, Paul, the apostle Paul definitely had some times he could definitely feel overwhelmed. But reading from the book of Job, after he opened, after this opened Job his mouth, cursed his day, and Job spake and said, let the day perish where I was born and the night in which it was said, there is a man child conceived. Why died I not from, the, from my mother's womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? For things which I greatly feared is come upon me and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. We all can feel like this. And when I feel like this, like I was saying, I kind of fall back on a couple of godly examples that the Lord has blessed me with. One of them is Brother Ian Drucker. Um, a lot of people in here know him or were familiar with him, and a lot of people don't. Um, he was a really good brother here. I had started to get close to him when right at the time when he was starting to get sick. Um, and I've postimoniously kind of learned a little bit more about him. And I would encourage everyone, read the book that he wrote, Life, Death, and the Things That Matter. Or like I like to refer to it, his the life's playbook for his 
couple of his little ones or grandchildren that he was uh, very fond of, Jacob, Brian, Ella, and Foster, who used to call him Pop Pop, like Evangelist Cook's grandchildren call him. But this brother faced cancer in the face. And from his example that I remember of seeing him, in fact, I'll share with you the last time I was able to see him physically, he smiled and gave me a hug and said, brother, I love you. And just to see the way that he and, and, and his wife and his family handled staring down the barrel of the roughest gun known and one of the roughest guns known to mankind, that example gives me heart. That example gives me encouragement. Thinking about another brother that I was able to know, Brother Ricky Mathis, who was a deacon at uh, Beltway. Um, Brother Meadows knows him well. They served together uh, on the deacon board there at, at Beltway. He was a really good brother. I got close to him. He taught me how to play bid whiz. He let me know that up here is bid whiz. Y'all play spades down south. And I'd been to his house several times for several meals and loved him and his family. Sister Mathis, awesome lady, Diane. Um, but he suffered from uh, diabetes and diabetes that gets out of control for whatever reason is a slow decline down a steep mountain. Um, I would, I would visit him when I would come from work, he, when he was uh, first in the hospital at uh, uh, coming around the big curve there near, past the Mormon temple. I forget the name of the hospital, it escapes me right now, but I used to go in there and visit him and we would sit down always on Monday. We would always sit down and um, have chats about what happened in the NFL that week. Because um, he said, Sean, I need you to come in and, 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 and bring me up to speed on what happened. I know that you watched everything. And we would discuss life, scripture. He was, we would share scripture. We would always pray. Um, one of the scriptures that the brother shared with me that uh, brought me a lot of encouragement was uh, Isaiah 41.10. And as his health was deteriorating, he would share little bits and pieces with me. But Isaiah 41.10 was one of his favorites. It says, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will hold uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. He shared that with me. He said that was something he always took strength in. Um, I didn't think much about our visits and I don't think that the gravity of the situation hit me then. Um, but one day I was coming in on a Monday and one of his, the main nurses that um, was, he was under the care of, kind of pulled me to the side and shared with me, said that the staff there, Holy Cross, thank you. Uh, the staff there had begun to enjoy me and Mr. Mathis, they called him Mr. Mathis, me and Mr. Mathis visits because we would just go in there and have a good old time, you know, laugh, joke, uh, and enjoy things. And one of the times I was leaving, it was just me and Ricky in the room, the nurse actually came in and, and said, excuse me, I hope y'all not disturbing y'all, but she had a fixed, sick family member or something, but she shared with us saying that, I don't, she said these words, I don't know what religion y'all are, but I feel like if y'all prayed that the Lord will listen to the prayer. So that made me think that even though it couldn't be just our visits, but this man is confined in the hospital, yet he's still keeping the right attitude, displaying the right spirit, exhibiting the right countenance to people to still get them to think about the Lord. Um, that was something that 
as I was reflecting on this topic that always kind of came back to me. Um, another one that he used to say that he took a lot of solace in was Philippians 4, 6, and 7, but emphasis on 7. And the peace of God, which with surpasses all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Through all the health challenges that he faced, I don't think, at least I never saw this brother feel sorry for himself one day. Um, case in point was one day, we, this was after he had lost his sight. Um, he had a lot of other problems. We, I went by to visit him on the weekend. He said, Sean, I really want to go to breakfast. I said, all right, well, let's roll. So we hopped in the truck and went on to Bob Evans and we had a good meal. And those that knew Brother Mathis know that he's a jokester more so than I am. Uh, it is possible. And we just had a good old time. He was sitting at the table. And I don't know how this man motioned to the waitress that when she brought the bill, he, she got close enough to him where he somehow grabbed it. Now, this man is legally blind. I don't know how he ended up snatching this bill, but I grabbed the other end. and We're sitting here tugging back and forth. And I'm going to pay for it. No, brother, I got it. And then he said, look here, brother, with all these people around, you're going to really sit here and argue with a blind deacon over this check. And I reluctantly let it go and said, Ricky, man, you didn't have to do me like that. He said, look here, I am going to use everything the Lord blessed me with for as long as he leave me here. Now, that was just kind of funny then, but as I kind of considered this as adding this to this quick uh, devotion I'm wrapping up, is thinking about the evolution of his mindset. The Apostle Paul shared, us with, shared with us in Philippians 4.11 that whatever state I am in, therefore to be content. And that's what reminded me of Brother Mathis. But that's what my thoughts and prayers are for everyone and maybe a little encouragement for when you're feeling overwhelmed because we all do from time to time. Just hang on and keep praying. Thank you and turn it back over to the hands of the brothers. Jesus, my heavenly King, loves me, I know. Praises to him I sing, onward I go. <laughs> Closely to him I cling, blessings still flow. I love my Savior too. I love my Savior he loves me too. I seek his favor in everything I do. Walking with him each day, love light does shine. Doing his will always never repine. Kneeling to him I pray, thy will not mine. I love my Savior too. I love my Savior. He loves me too. I seek his favor in everything I do. Happy to serve my friend, lean on his arm. Rapture will never end, nothing alarm. Voices will sweetly blend under his charm. I love my Savior too. I love my 
my Savior. He loves me too. I seek his favor in everything I do. Let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we learned in uh, 2 Corinthians, Lord, how Paul suffered serving you. And Father, we listened to Sean's devotional and he talked about going through tough times as, as believers, Father, and how we can find encouragement and what Jesus went through. And Sean gave us examples of some brothers who went through some tough stuff too, Father, and came through it full of faith. Father, one thing I want all of us to hold on to in these days, Father, is to hold on to you. Our trust is in you. Our hope is in you. And Father, please give us strength in what we say and how we say it. Grant us wisdom, Father. Grant us a, a, a spirit of joy so that when we speak to others, we can give people a clearer picture of who Jesus really is. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>